What's up, duckers? One to get started. This goes out to uh, everybody watching and all of the audio listeners. Just letting y'all know, thank you for being here. Thank you for making our first video come out really well. And not only that, actually helping us get views and everything. I, we really appreciate it. Today's episode, Judgment Day 2000. So I'm about to jump in on Zoom with Too Hard, Too Fast himself, George and Lathan. So again, thank you. And we'll see you duckers on the other side. See if you guys are afraid to admit it. But I am afraid to admit that I am a wrestling fan. In public. Is that bad? Yeah. Are you ready? Woo! Here we go, guys. It is our June episode of a ducking wrestling podcast where we are reviewing Judgment Day 2000, which I'm assuming at this point George has already watched. So he knows what the you know spoiler was last time but before we get into that on my right <laughs> left, whatever i got mr lathan hall back with us this week rocking the nwo shirt and then down here over on this side mr too hard too fast himself mr george going at it i am that D O double G A D C D E F G. I don't know. I had something better planned, but I didn't. Yeah, whatever. Guys, how's it going? We'll work on you. We'll work on your intro a little bit more. <laughs> it's also cute. Give me a break. For Father's Day, I'm going to get you hooked on phonics. <laughs> <laughs> the world needs more of that. Oh, oh. how's it going, man? Pretty chill, man. I tried to wear a wrestling shirt today, but uh turns out I only have two of them. I feel like I've already worn them all. <laughs> even though this is only the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get more shirts. Yeah, so the first episode came out. Uh we recorded about a month ago, came out uh, about two weeks ago and everything. And stuff online has been pretty good. So I'm feeling good about it. Um, what'd y'all think? Man, it was uh looking back at it, it was a pretty good blast to enjoy from what I watched so far. I, it's been kind of topsy turvy on my end back over here, but I mean, I enjoyed watching what I watched and I, I look forward to making plenty more podcasts. A little bit more refined and uh with a fresher look eventually, but it was a good it was a good start. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I said plenty of things that uh got cut out. <laughs> and you guys made me made me regret, but you know what? Hopefully better this time. <laughs> well, like I said, we are discussing Judgment Day 2000. Uh, today, it took place May 21st of 2000. So just over 23 years ago, 23 years and almost a month. I, I remember this pay-per-view. This was one that we actually had pay-per-view money for. So I, I do remember watching this. Um, and I, I like 
I, I, because it's been so long and it's not one you go back and watch all the time. I really forgot how good this pay-per-view was like with, there were a lot of good matches, a lot of iconic moments that to this day are still used on highlight reels and stuff. So <coughs> uh, going back, well, first of all, watching it was my first time watching it in its entirety because I only watched it. I remember watching it for the first time only for the Iron Man match. Um, back when I watched it the first time, and it was, I want to say, a year after the fact, just because I didn't have a chance to watch it on video and I still didn't have pay per view money. I remember <laughs> watching the scrambled version of it if I wanted to watch the actual match in its entirety, which was good. The biggest part was remembering all the talent that was out there. Um, when WWE was first getting its stride in the Monday Night Wars and stuff, after they had been beaten for so long, I remember how much more, uh, like not more talent, but the more the better way that they used their talent uh, more consec- more consistently. So that was pretty awesome, and uh, yeah, it was just like I said, a good card across the board. So, and then of course the ending was how everybody always enjoys remembering it. For what it's worth yep yep george what'd you think man i don't remember watching that because i don't think i i did watch watch it i think um you know this was one of those where my parents were like nope we're not buying it uh you can go to your friend's house and then my friends either probably said we're not getting it either my parents said no uh mm-hmm. and then there was nowhere else to watch it so i think it was one of those that because the whole time I was like, even I was like telling everybody that, you know, I was telling my son, I was like, let me listen, let me listen. I don't remember what's going on. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't think I, I remember because I never watched it. And so I was like intrigued the whole way. Um, maybe I'm a little more bummed out with most of the matches. I'm not like, wasn't a fan of a lot of what happened. Um but there was a few, obviously the Iron Man match. I kind of missed the I missed the Iron Man matches, and I miss special guest referees, like legit special guest, like wild card special guest referees. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, so before we get into uh, the actual pay per view, we're going to take a little break, a little commercial break, and we'll be right back with it. Hey, Too Hard Too Fast podcast, a lighthearted, thought-provoking, comedic podcast where we talk about society and culture topics through the lives and experiences of my guests. But that's what it says on paper. The important thing to remember is that Too Hard Too Fast, we don't check facts. Something you can check is for Too Hard Too Fast podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and any other podcast platform that you use or don't use. Use them all. Watch us all on all of it. And we are back from the commercial break. So thank you to our sponsor. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. All right. So first thing that, uh, that came up was the, uh, the intro package. Um, man, I, I really loved the intro package with all of the statistics and everything for the Iron Man match. Like how many times you're going to blink, how many times you think about sex and then it goes into the match and it's like, they're going to take more hits than an NFL quarterback will all season. They're going to lose seven pounds. They're going to like, to me, it felt like, they, Hey, this is a legit, like 
they're they're throwing down. They're they're throwing down, and this is something that's special. My thought on the on the opening package was like the what am what what am I what am I watching? Are, are we cussing on this? Like, okay. <laughs> we're cussing. We're in all like, right. So yeah, yeah the thing was popped, like we popped that cherry last week or last. All week. right, so I was like, the fuck are we watching? And then my son, we, we get started. My son look gives gives me the fuck are we watching look. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gets to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what he said. It's like I thought we were watching watch WWE. And uh and then it gets to that sex part. I go, I bet I can beat 21 times. Yeah, I saw that earlier. <laughs> I was when I was re-watching it today, I was like, 21 times, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so after after the the pack, you know, the the intro package goes through. Uh, the first thing they go to is the corporate DX, corporate DX, McMahon Helmsley. I don't, I, I, I hated it. I hated it. It was the regime at this point. It's yeah, all, it I, was, hated, uh, I hated yeah. McMahon Helmsley <laughs> era shit. I, I mean, they, I guess in, I guess in reality, they did their job because they were heels and I hated them. Hate, hate, hate. And listen, hate is a strong word, but it's accurate for this. But it <laughs> it made sense, but it was annoying how they had it make sense because it was it because it was at this point it was a shame it was Hunter McMahon era that started off and then somehow the betrayal then turns around to them being chummy again. And I'm like, there wasn't even enough storyline to carry out like their the breakup and the the family angst before they had to get back together because neither one of them played a really good face. Both of them were really good heels. And Triple H is a really good heel in himself because he sucks as a face. And so he just kind of motherfucked it all together. Because you got to have DX to do merchandise sales too. So yeah. motherfuck this. Yeah. And so it was just a whole bunch of everything. Yeah. yeah. And I, I will say, I'm, so I'm curious to hear George's perspective of it because he didn't watch the pay-per-view i remember uh, it took me a little bit to remember like why they were friends or back or why they were even together yeah so i but at first i was like confused and it, it didn't make sense to me now the whole stuff with briscoe to me kind of saved and and we'll we'll get to that here in a bit the whole briscoe stuff kind of to me saved all of that but and Lathan, you may know this. I don't remember. Where was Billy Gunn? Was he was he hurt? Uh, I think he was. Yeah, he, I think he was out with a knee injury. Because I was looking, I was sitting there looking, and I was like, I feel like there's an odd man out. There's a lot more Xbox being referenced in the usual. Because he's usually the one in the back, just kind of being ratty and stuff. But uh, yeah, I think he was out on. Uh... <laughs> That's most of his lines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then randomly Tori got more actual camera time out of nowhere, and I'm like, okay, they're clearly making up for somebody being missing. But uh, I didn't know I where Billy. I, I didn't know where he was, but I think I remember he was actually out injured this time. Okay, yeah, or, I, or so, rehab, one or two. I I I thought I don't think he ever had to go to rehab, but I and I don't remember. You may you may know, and I I just don't remember. But yeah, I. I couldn't remember where Billy Gunn was, but yeah, it was the odd man out. And I think that was a, another reason I hated the corporate stuff was because I just really didn't like Tori. Um, you shut your dirty mouth right now. 
<laughs> yeah, not a not a fan. But so the next thing we see is uh it shows Shawn Michaels walking and uh those damn shorts, man. Yikes. <laughs> As a 36-year-old man, I kind of liked them. <laughs> I was going to say if you could wear them, you would. <laughs> yeah. If uh if I would wear them on camera, I would. <laughs> Just going to check you know, the mail at the If I would feel time. confident wearing them on camera, I would. You uh, know, ironically, when you're saying that, George, I think he was actually about 36 at this time wearing <laughs> those shorts. So if he can do it, I'm sure you can eventually. Funny thing, you should mention them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you find those favorable because. <laughs> as All a, the as confidence a, you have. As, as a. Uh, <laughs> 38-year-old man as of last week. Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm past my uh my bike short my bike short days have, have gone. So rest easy, bike short days, because they will not be coming back. Uh so the first match that we get uh is gonna be Kurt Angle, Edge, and Christian versus Too Cool with Rikishi. It whenever we started the the podcast or the this this uh episode. I talked about how there's a lot of stuff that are still used on highlight reels to this day. Edge, Christian, and Kurt Angle doing the hillbilly stuff, the bluegrass. I mean, to this day on Edge's stuff, they still show that zoom in of him with the teeth, the hat, and like the cross, hat, yeah. cross eyes. And like that, I had forgotten that that happened here. So it was that, that was one of those iconic things that that came out of this was just how funny how funny they were so edge and christian angle hilarious christian coming out and almost coming off like a face like like a baby face until he's like lewisville and then the crowd turned on him like that and it was just it was perfect like the timing on the jokes and the comedy was amazing and hilarious. Well, he is Captain Charisma, so he is he like that's one thing that Chris has always been good at. If uh, for anything else, he definitely put a mic in his hand, so definitely give you entertainment. Um, across the board, like Edge, Christian, and Kurt in general, whenever they have screen time, are always going to give you like the best entertainment possible. Like you want to hate on their heels, you're going to boo them, but you're going to laugh. At the same time, and that's always something I've appreciated. Like they, they get it. They're part of the entertain. They're part of the entertainment. And it was a good opener. Like if you're going to open the show, I mean, they're definitely between the six of them. They actually gave you probably one of the best openers in a long time. Oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, definitely. George, what were your thoughts, man? I liked it. I liked the opening. I thought Kurt Angle was uh, hilarious uh, with the oversized bucket hat or whatever. Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> looking like one of know, the country bears from Disney World. <laughs> the next, you know, of course, they're out, they do their thing. And then the, the team they're facing, you've got Too Cool with Rikishi. Holy shit, Too Cool was over. Like, Very over, yeah. I forgot how over they were. And I mean, oh, yeah. like, this whole I don't forget as soon as that music came out. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. I was back in it. Dude, it was crazy. Like the crowd and like Rikishi coming out, which which kind of brings me to my next point. So Rikishi had been with WWE for a long time in various forms. So we had Head Shrinker Fatu. We had the Make a Difference gimmick. I don't know if y'all remember that. Uh, they had the Sultan Rikishi Fatu first, and then and then he went to the heel. Did Too Cool save Rikishi's career? Hey. I think they equally both saved each other's career. So they weren't like because like, Too Cool was just a just a mid card jobber type of upstart um, tag team, if I remember it at this time. Like because they were still wearing like their their leopard print tights, and Jerry King would kind of put them over because it's you know it's his dad, so or his Wait, son. What? So what? I don't, what? No. <clears throat> oh, yeah, you know, you know, it's the worst kept secret ever. But like, and then like they they switched the gimmick to be it was like a fuckery of the make a difference. With like a more nuanced version of it melted together, and the Rikishi just kind of like came in. And he was the ethnic support system that they needed to be validated, and so you know it was two white dudes with attitude and one fat ass Samoan, literally. <laughs> <laughs> and it did help that probably in their benefit that Rikishi had so much experience on the back end on repacking himself and make sure, making sure that they validated like the actual tag team that they became because they went on a whole couple of different championships and then every time like even to this day if I hear too cool come on I'm I'm gonna watch I'm gonna sit down and watch because somebody is gonna get uh Rikishi's ass in their face and Sky T High is gonna do the worm. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, I think I was a fan of both from what I remember. Like, I was a fan of both, and then they just both made each other even cooler uh, as a kid-wise, you know. Now, as an adult, I kind of think, like, dang, like, do I, would I still like them right now if there was, if they were, like, a thing right now? Like, would yeah, I still and, be down for it? And, and I I'm think I would still like the ass-in-the-face kind of, like, turnbuckle thing. That's still hilarious. I mean, I wouldn't oh. want to get it, but to watch, like, I wouldn't like it. <laughs> Are you sure? I mean, I'd rather try everything once, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want a sniffer of that. Oh, there's no, yeah, no way to, no way for that to not be. Gnarly. But I always thought that was hilarious, that move. I wrote this down and I was, I watched this pay per view last Friday and I had, I was up drinking. And the first note I had was Grandmaster Sexy with all that gold looks dumb. He looks like Mr. Peach Tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I read that yeah. back the next day and I was like, that's funny. Drunk me is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I will, I, I will, as good, as entertaining as I thought the match was. The whole thing was a fucking spot fest. I mean, the whole thing. Like, it yeah. was all about hitting your mark at each moment. And that kind of got on my nerves after a little bit because you could tell, like, it was 
the match itself ran too long to just be a spot fest. Uh, Grandmaster Sexy losing his pants. I, I I mean, if you watch Rikishi when that happens, I mean, it actually broke Rikishi. Like he had to turn around and was like this, which was fun. I think I missed it. Yeah. Yeah, like he's dancing that. and his pants go down, and then Scotty Too Hotty's running around going like this. <laughs> oh, okay, I missed it. I saw that part. I was like, "What? What happened?" The whole match was a, it was entertaining, and I'll give him credit for that. It was a spot fest, which I don't like, but it was still it was they they managed to keep it entertaining with kind of the comedy aspect of it. But what I think is like at the end when um when they won. It almost seemed like Kurt Angle was supposed to break up the pin and maybe it was supposed to go on a little bit longer. Yeah. Because everybody seemed like, you know, what the hell just happened? That's the vibe I got from it. Like he wasn't, he was supposed to break up the pin. Maybe it went on a little bit longer and there was, they, maybe they still won at the end, but um, it just seemed like everybody was kind of lost. Yeah. It, it did kind of end abruptly. Lathan, what you think? Uh, well, there's a couple of different parts. Like, and it, it, it's a longer, it's ongoing in the other part of the paper you can too, where like there are a couple of missed spots where something should have happened. And then you kind of just like either waiting for your spot to happen or you just miss your cue altogether, you miss your mark. I'm bad. As one of the only few takeaways from the totality of the pay per view, while in Canaan, they did have times where you clearly miss marks. And um, it didn't move as 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 smooth as you kind of wanted it to for the moment. But uh, that one was a, that one's one small one I noticed. I think what it was that uh, Kurt Angle was supposed to have somebody kind of anchor him back down, and somebody else missed that mark more specifically because uh, it's kind of one of those, those last minute quick run-ins. But like you're supposed to get anchored down to where you're not actually able to get into touch. Kurt had to, uh, to kind of like reassured that the, the match didn't go on longer. Because these matches, like I looked it up on Wikipedia, the longest match excluding uh, the Iron Man match is actually the Intercontinental title match. Everything else is on average about eight to eight to seven minutes is what you got. The man, how how over was the worm? Good God. Like that crowd lost their minds. When yeah. Scotty Too Hotty was doing the worm, I forgot. And that all, thing, all he had to do was this, yeah, do the <laughs> yeah, and hey, that, I know it's coming. Holy shit, that crowd lost their mind. And now, so I, the next question I'm gonna pose, which to finish up this match, so pose. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I think this could be a whole episode on its own, and we may get to that. So I want, I want just a ten-second yes or no and why to answer this. So, with all the discussion about the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, the greatest of all time, should Kurt Angle be in that conversation? Me personally, I say absolutely for how quick he came in. What he accomplished, being able to be comedy, serious, and even take losses and still get stronger for them. To me, he's a yes as a conversation for the greatest of all time. Uh, I don't know if I would say greatest of all time, but 
one of the best of all time. So maybe, maybe not the goat, but the boat. What's the boat? What does that mean? Oh, what I said? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. One of the best, man. Like he's got comedic timing. He's got mic skills. I'm a, I'm a mic drama fan. I like the, the mic drama and he's got wrestling skills. Like, um, obviously he's an Olympic champion, but so I, I like I like what he did, and I I was always a fan. Like whenever he he needed to be booed, he was booed. Whenever he needed to be cheered, he was cheered, and I was there for the ride. Lathan, I definitely I I uh I would definitely say he is a top caliber athlete. Like realistically, when you say I'll put you like this: if you're gonna put Shawn Michaels in the art, one of the best entertainers or greatest entertainers of all time, you would equally have to by default. Put Kurt Angle like there's not a match where Kurt Angle does not like give you his all and give you the best version of himself, even when he was all perked out in TNA. Like, really, some of the best matches I watched in TNA or the only reason I turned on TNA was to watch Kurt Angle and see what he would do. He has, like we said, great comedic timing, awesome mic skills, very charismatic as a human being and an individual, but he can turn it on as a bad guy or a good guy. And give you a hundred for ten percent every night, without question. Um, you know, like whenever I like I think about Kurt Angle, some of his better, his greater accomplishments. I think about like WrestleMania uh, versus Eddie Guerrero for the WWE title, or um, his match with Shawn Michaels at uh, I think it was WrestleMania twenty three five. No. Yeah, twenty three, maybe. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to research that. We'll get the research uh, team on that. Yeah, yeah, you know, with uh, and so like you know, he he has wonderful Brock Lesnar versus Chris, two collegiate heavyweight champions going after each other. Olympic gold medalist and undefeated NCAA heavyweight champion, literally excluding the five star uh, shooting star press that Brock Lesnar uh, missed. That was a classic. Uh, that I definitely uh, stayed in my seat to watch the whole time. There was no pipe break for that one for sure. Um, but like, yeah, when Kurt Angle gets on the on the on TV, he's going to give you at least something to remember him by. So, uh, so yeah, so definitely, I would put him in the debate for one of the like I put him in like the top ten of, of greatest entertainers of all time. <laughs> all right, so so with the uh, with the ratings. For this match, I gave it a 2.5. It was, to me, I had a lot of fun watching it. The intro and everything was good, iconic, even would say. Uh, The match was good. It was entertaining. It was fun. So I I gave it a 2.5. I gave it a uh, 2.75. Great pacing. Great pacing. Like you said, it was a spot fest, but like at the time, you didn't have a bunch of spot fests like that, matches like that. It was just, it was entertaining. Everybody basically hit all their marks, and you left there wanting or enjoying it. Like I said, a great opening match for a pay-per-view, um, especially at that time we have so much time to put on TV. Uh, so, yeah, so definitely was a, a good way to start the show. 2.61, I will go. A bunch of dick holes just trying to go above mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I had, I enjoyed it. If this was Price is Right, 
I would win because I had the the dollar, whatever. I don't care. Because he didn't go over. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just raised to to saying one dollar on the bidding. Respect. Yeah, just because it was it was it was entertaining and all three of those guys are like top wrestlers. I did remember one thing on watching this. Uh, and I completely forgot about this point in his life, in his career. Teddy Long was a referee, and I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I was waiting for him to come and I say, everybody gets into a tag team match with the Undertaker player, and it didn't happen. He was just there being a referee and a little bit uh, heavier on his feet. He's still in his chubbier, old, younger person stage of life. <laughs> I love Teddy Long. He just cracked me oh, up. Yeah. He couldn't. Also, I said all three of those. I meant six, like all six of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I knew, I knew you meant Edge, Christian, and uh, for sure, yeah. Bert. But I mean, so I was a big fan as a kid. I was a big fan of Rikishi and Too Cool and all that. All right. So next up, we have the Shawn Michaels interview, and the only note I have from this is to this day I still use the quote Shawn Michaels said I still use it where he's like well Lord knows if it's on the internet it must be true (laughs) (laughs) like and you think about how much the internet was in kind of its infancy in 2000 that still rings true today (laughs) on that statement like HBK still being relevant after all these years for once Right? His hair may have gone away, but his relevance hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I remember I remember seeing this promo, and I, I thought about this because realistically, we didn't get to see an HBK versus Rock type of match at all, ever. And we aren't like, for given purposeful reasons on the Rock's end. Um, but I thought about it for about the better part of, like, two or three minutes, like, how how good would uh, HBK versus The Rock feud be on, like, literally on paper, setting a storyline and everything like that? Um, and, you know, I, I thought it could be quite entertaining because they have two very different styles of wrestling, but it can turn into something quite entertaining if they if you actually thought about putting them in a the ring together. Um, or it can end up very volatile and uh, off the tracks like Hulk Hogan versus HBK. I don't know, but <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it can go either really good or really bad. There's no in between with this one. Watching, and I'm remembering back to the Hogan Michaels match, which I'm sure will be something that comes up at some point. Um, the overselling of Shawn Michaels in that match on purpose, could you imagine? Shawn Michaels versus The Rock, both of them just overselling how just it would have been hilarious, but it would have been such a good match. Or it could have turned out like Hogan and Rock at WrestleMania, uh, where it was just a bunch of just slapstick wrestling that only got better because of the crowd. And if you actually watched it on mute, it would have been the shittiest match ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, there's nothing in between. You either get really great. I would just think about like the the back and forth mic uh, drama that would happen. Like I said, I'm a part of that. So the uh, the stuff that they could come up with between each other, that would be hilarious. Yeah. And the things they could get away with saying, especially in that time, in that day and age where 
you know, the censors were a lot more lenient on what you could say on the air. Like I said, it was the attitude error. And, uh, and like, you know, you can get away with a lot more. Now, I, I want to get into the next match because but, well, that was one thing that my wife did ask when she's like, passed by. She goes, Do you think this was a I'm saved Shawn Michaels already, or was this still like, I'm down for anything, Shawn Michaels still? Yeah. yeah. This is pill popping Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he had, he had a Pez dispenser in his pan. Uh, the next match, so the next match actually became one of my favorite matches for this pay-per-view eddie guerrero dean malenko perry saturn i think it was for the the european championship right Mm -hmm. okay because that the european championship with these three guys kind of took a a back seat to the match this match was phenomenal malenko and saturn when compared to eddie the charisma is not even not even comparable i mean watching Dean Malenko interact with Perry Saturn was like watching paint talk to itself. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was, it was rough, but the interaction with Eddie and China made the beginning of the match really good, but having Malenko Saturn and Eddie together in that first little part where they were talking showing how charismatic Eddie Guerrero was. I mean, it, it just, it surpassed the other two. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But he's always been like that. He's always been the charismatic one. You remember even like in WCW, it's like if you put a mic on any of the the luchadors or any of the cruiserweights, it was Chris Jericho or Eddie Guerrero. Dean Malenko maybe to say a couple of things, but he, he has just as much personality as my my wife's potted plants up here. Uh, <laughs> after a while, like I remember some of the promos or some of the gimmicks he tried to give him WWE, and like I'm like, just make him a wrestling machine because that's all he's known for. Like that's that's his best quality. Just put him out there, put him in a ring. He's going to give you a, a, a cruiserweight classic of sorts. Yeah, that's why he was a light heavyweight championship champion at the time. And that title looks like a fucking toy on his on his shoulder. Like, it's but it ridiculous. had a black strap, so it was fine. It had a black strap, so I made it more prestigious. That's <laughs> so fair. George, what were you thinking about it, George? I'm uh, uh, I was always a Saturn a Saturn fan because I like the the rings of Saturn. Putting wow. it on, and yeah, like doing that. I don't know. I've always liked that. I used to play as him uh and and whatever video game you know i i could with them but i just remember that and the the head turn i kind of forgot about that on uh like um uh oh what was it nwo wcw revenge i forgot about moving he would do the yeah so i i like that about him but yeah i don't remember him really working the mic too much yeah, but I will say, man, they were three really talented guys. Like, you got into the match, and wow. Like, for yeah. Dean Malenko and and Saturn's kind of lack of charisma, their in-ring skills and putting these three together, four and 100, 100%. Was, yeah, was unmatched. And <laughs> My my next note was actually, hey, somebody in the crowd had an Undertaker sign. <laughs> yeah, 
Actually, actually, I forgot. This is one of my first notes of the of the whole uh, watching the pay per view. The poster of Judgment Day. Go back and look at it. It's Kane on the poster. Just a uh, just half his face. No Kane in sight. Wow. Then, yeah, but they tease you with the eye. If you look closely, it has the Undertaker symbol in it. But I'm like, where the fuck is Kane? And why is he relevant to this poster if he's not on the pay-per-view? It just shows his it shows the mask and you just see a little teardrop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I know where that's from. Oh man, I'm like, dude, this is this is out of place all all too well. Anyways, uh sorry, that was me uh segueing off of that. <clears throat> Back to the to the match. But uh it, it's actually Hundred percent right. Our, uh the match made up for itself. Lack of charisma made up for the chemistry that they did have in the match together. Like it reminded me of like an older WCW or like ECW style match, but just given the the time it needed on a bigger stage in WWE or WWF at the time. Like to remind people like, hey, these are some talented wrestlers, and this is what you can do with them when you give them the proper push the right way because. It was they were just coming off of what the radicals are coming in, uh, and they were part of the whole uh, uh, DX Helmsley regime and things like that. So yeah. it was kind of cool to start to see them break off and actually show their worth and their talent, and they were worth the money to bring them in for sure. And they all went on to decently have, well, except for Perry Saturn, decently uh, good careers in the WWE as well for what it was worth. Like Dean Malenko is still a producer, if I'm if I'm Correct. Um, but it's very sad. I think he's in AEW. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, he did pretty decent for most of his life. You know, y'all make <laughs> irrational decisions with enough money to put in all of us. So, yeah. But I did notice that um, I put this in, in my notes too was kind of for what she turned out to attractively be. This is probably her most attractive I found her as she started to feminize herself after being with Triple H for so long. Like, eventually she got over the top. Well, I mean, granted, her own psychological issues aside, she was actually probably her most feminine when and being in the storyline with Eddie Guerrero and them playing off of each other. I found it to be interesting. Like, I was like, okay, this is China being very attractive. Then she became kind of more of a beastly uh, She-Hulk of sorts. I'm like, okay, now it's over the top and and things like that. But like, yeah, she was she was a sight for uh sight for the eyes at this particular point. But yeah, no, I I, I agree with you on that. She seemed, and, and that was that's something I have too. Is uh with everything going on with the McMahon Helmsley stuff, I kind of feel like Eddie Guerrero kind of saved China's career in this moment, making her relevant, making her front and center with him. I always liked China. I always thought she was attractive, no matter what. Even when she was like <laughs> super crazy strong and just worked with that, I liked it. Nice. Yeah. Some insight on on uh on Boy George over here. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I uh, I walked away from this match. I gave it uh, three and a half stars. Just for this, I don't, like I said, you know I me. Mean, I'm always a sucker for technical wrestling anyways and chain wrestling. I'm old school like that. But they put it together 
especially with the high flying movement that uh, Eddie was doing with it. Like it was a good, uh, good balance of everything. And so you left entertained and wanting more. Um, honestly, the match could have went on another two to three minutes if they wanted to, just to let it breathe a little bit more. But I get they were under time constraints at the same time too. So for what it, for the entirety of the package, it was awesome. I, I think that this this is a solid to me was a solid four star match. It had almost a real real feel fight to it, like a real fight feel um, to it that it seemed like they were the three of those guys were really going at it with each other that the ending gave was was a shady kind of heel shit ending, but it made sense and it was actually pretty creative with the flower. Mine will go 2.8 uh, just because I feel like there was a little bit like lackluster with some things. Um, I don't know what it was. I, I I know there was a few missed spots, missed moves where they were like the, the Huracarana did not even come from Eddie, did not even come off very well and Malenko flew across the ring. I just didn't like that. But I think I was just confused the whole time because I again I don't remember I didn't watch it from uh when I was a kid so I didn't know like the championship the European championship belt whatever who had it whatever they, they, yeah. they he ran out of the ring too fast and so they couldn't give him the belt and give it to him after but he walked in oh. the European champion and walked out yeah oh okay well that that was my confusion fine I'll give it a three <laughs> uh, three star from George. But I, I thought that it was like the, the whole flower thing. Um that was a good like uh little trick trickery thing. Yeah. Yeah. See the small seeds of the mischievous Eddie being Eddie that we came to love for the lie, cheating, and stealing part later on. It was awesome. Yep. Next match that we have up, and we call it a match, was the hardcore championship, the stuff with Briscoe. And like leading up to like everything they were doing with Gerald Briscoe in this pay-per-view, I thought was really fun and funny kind of filler. Normally the stuff like this, whether it's the the hardcore title or the 24-7 title, kind of bore me. They it gets kind of where I roll my eyes a lot. This was funny. Like watching Briscoe win the championship, and even the announcers are whispering. Goes the champion, yeah. Like it, it was hilarious. It was creative. I I loved it. It was uh, it was interesting to say the least. Um, especially with well, the hardcore title at the time, and Crash enacted the whole twenty four seven aspect of it. It left you with enough entertainment as filler between matches to actually still give a damn about some of the product. Um, and then especially with it being one of the Stooges having the title at the time, like. Carol Briscoe's comedy goal between him and Pat Patterson. I absolutely love mostly everything they did. I know these are some tough son of bitches, but in their older days, they were hilarious yeah. as hell. And uh, always make sure they shined on TV when they got a chance. Like, they they were awesome. Absolutely awesome. And, and always a joy to watch. And the fact they always came out to Real American, they, yeah. it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it made them relevant like it was one of those cool things that made you relevant like it made them relevant historically because it made you want to go back and look at them and you know it was cool to hear that gerald briscoe 
uh, was part of the Briscoe Bryson, like his own territory at one time. And then um, I always want to go back and look at some of Pat Paris and Gold stuff um, because historically they are key pieces that make wrestling as good as it is historically in their own different regards and, and ways, even though you can't really watch most matches from Puerto Rico, allegedly. Um, it's okay. It, uh, Pat Patterson is still entertaining to me. But Pat yeah, Patterson, man, but like, Pat Patterson versus Sergeant Slaughter in the strap match is a match any wrestling fan should go out of their way to find and watch. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, hands down. And um, and so yeah, but like it's with this twenty four with them having sorry twenty four seven title with the hardcore mat title, <laughs> it was just well, it was yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was fun to watch, and like they uh, they put a little spin on it to where it, it stayed relevant and entertaining um, in in this luster that it was supposed to have, for what it was worth. Like it wasn't anything over the top, but it definitely kept you uh, entertained. I said it either in our last episode or in the episode we did on Too Hard Too Fast podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we don't check facts. <laughs> I said it on one of them where I, I, I said that I was a big fan of the hardcore title and the way it looked and, you know, like all broken up and taped up and crappy. Uh, and I like the, the intents of it because at the, uh, when I was, when we were kids at that moment, anything could happen, anything would happen. And I like that kind of idea to where it was like, well, we know there's some script to it, but it's a little wild. So still anything could happen. And I like that. Like Briscoe, I just remember Briscoe and Patterson always being the funny guys in their older age. Go out of your way on YouTube. Find uh, Bris or not Briscoe, Patterson versus Slaughter in a strap match. I think it was in Madison Square Garden. It, it's, I mean, it's from like the early 80s. It's, it's a great match. Speaking of great matches, uh, next up we have the Big Show versus Shane McMahon in a no holds barred match. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> why was? Fuck! <laughs> There's so many whys in this match. The first one is why. Could the Big Show not manage to talk without spitting on every? Why did he have such a? Uh, oh my god! Like that man, uh, that man just salivated and just spit on everything. Yeah, it's uh, not only that, but it was. Why am I watching this match? That's, that's the one thing I was like, why is this match relevant? Why is this try to make sense? And like, it's just. This this was if there was a match you could have done without on this show, this was it. Well, uh, so I, I disagree with that because they were promoting the WWF rap album. The, yeah, no, I, the Big I, Show's I, I, music. The Big Show's music was fire. Yeah, as in like fiery crotch because it's it's itchy and it's painful. 
And oh, I liked it. Yeah. No, that was horrible. My blackness will not allow this to to be okay. It was horrible. <laughs> Absolutely. I was no, this is that was hot garbage. And it, you know, it, and you made reference to the the rap album. I completely forgot about it until like I heard the DX Run DMC variation. I was like, oh yeah, they haven't played this album all night, but you're hearing it uh, through through the entrances. I was like, okay, that makes Big Show's interest more relevant because of the time. Um, but fuck that album. Fuck his entrance song. <laughs> nope, nope. I, if, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on eBay and try to find that album again because the, yeah. I I loved it. Oh man, listen, just go to Sam Goody. I'm sure they have a clearance section with the still women. I don't think there's a Sam. I think Sam Goody itself is in the clearance section. <laughs> <laughs> you think Spotify has it somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not on Apple Music. I know that for a fact. For a great reason. Yeah, go oh. to YouTube Music. I'm sure it's on there. So uh, let me ask you all, let me ask you all this. Um, Shane McMahon's legacy is so that you guys be calling the greatest of all time. I'm gonna punch you through this phone. <laughs> <laughs> He's the he Shane McMahon is the goat at having a legacy of just getting the shit kicked out of him his entire career. Okay, I'll give you that one. That's all he's ever done. Like he's or putting himself in through in through some pain. Yeah, he's had these blockbuster matches and all it is is him getting the living shit kicked out of himself. What you're visually seeing is um, is him vying for his, his dad's acceptance. Uh, uh, like, please love me, dad. Watch me go through this plate glass window of King of the Ring. Oh, please love me, father. Watch uh, me yeah, jump off his phone in the cell. That's one we're going to have to do. But um, real quick. you good, dad. Real quick, guys, can we can we hold up the drinks? Do a do a quick uh, a quick toast and an R.I.P. in this match to Big Boss Man and Test. Hey, rest in peace. <laughs> First thing, the bump that Trish Stratus took was freaking insane. her credit for that that was that was crazy that she agreed to that yeah and at the time it was like she was one of like to her credit her and lita were probably the only two divas that would actually take a legitimate bump in the ring at that time and it was really it was really uh refreshing to see that because everybody's all dolled up and it's all tits and ass give it to you man but zinga yeah, but but like they still like, hey, I'm beauty and I'm like, it was it was good to see that they could still get in the ring and, get, and throw down with the dudes that they wanted to. Um, so yeah, so it was it was cool, it was crazy to see. Agreed, uh, but it was also refreshing to actually see uh, a woman that put herself in a physical situation like that and can handle it. So yeah, but it was a lot of bodies. It was busy. It was a really busy match. Yeah. Um in all the wrong ways. Like it shouldn't take like I get at the point when he came in, they wanted to make Big Show stronger and look like beat un- unbeatable because he's a giant. But at the same time, like 
half of the people you're wrestling are about two inches shorter than you, or at least in this match, between Tess, Buell Buchanan, Big Boss Man. Um, I think literally the shortest person in this match was Shane McMahon, and he's still six foot. Like, well, between well, realistically, they can all beat your ass. <laughs> with that, with that, um, there was this one uh, part in the in the match where it was so stupid. So since you're saying like how they were trying to make the Big Show look unbeatable, where he gets part of the entrance thing, and Big Show goes, oh, like he has to like make it look like it's super heavy, and then here yeah. comes Seth later and just goes. Superstructure. <laughs> that's I've I've got that I've got that down where I'm like I'm like the the fake superstructure. I I then I started when they started doing that. It had me paying more attention to how well somebody could struggle with it trying to pick it up. Rather yeah. than the actual match, because then I'm watching them try to pretend like this is a huge, like piece of metal when it obviously it's like they're dropping it and it's not even making a sound. Yeah, like you, like clearly, in my with my big boy glasses on and in retrospect, um, clearly part of the gimmick stage where they just put it there. Like it's not I mean, with him with Big Show removing it. The structure is no more or less stable than it was before it was put there. Like it's just like the the uh, the, center, the center block. Like you know, young me was like, "Damn, he got hit," and the older me was like, "Really?" The center block's gonna break that easily across his head and disintegrates. Uh, okay, this is. <laughs> one and a half one and a half stars the, so, yeah the the speaker, <laughs> the speaker the speaker falling i thought was cool like the sparks and everything okay they they did a good job with that when he broke that cinder block and it hits the concrete and there is no sound i'm watching this and i'm like what the fuck like are we yeah. like we're really doing this with that with the cinder block, because it it like Listen, it, it, it cost for to get TV back then. I don't know what we were thinking. Hey, back then it was just the 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 suspense of disbelief. You know, yeah, the bar was lower. The only the only good thing that came out of this match was once you know the trainers and everybody came in to help the big show. We got to view one of the most glorious mullets of all time on the trainer. The guy who's helping <laughs> Holy shit. That thing is, I mean, for 2000, for this guy to be rocking the full on like curls and oh man, oh man, it was beautiful. It was, yeah. you know, you know, he was going to party after the show was over with. Yeah, you're probably partying already with Shawn Michaels. (laughs) (laughs) So I even hate to do this, and I'm gonna put a rule that you can't give a zero star. So what would you what What's your rating for this match? 
One and a half stars. I already said it. I'm sticking to it. Wow, that's generous. One and a half. It was too entertaining. Stuff. You know, as a kid, I would have loved it. You know, it had all all kinds of craziness. Yeah, I gave it a point three two star. Jesus. <laughs> you know, you hey. all these numbers. God, it was just it was just bad. It was it was not to me it wasn't even entertaining. It was it was pure filler. Like they could have give me Gerald Briscoe running around for that same amount of time getting into shenanigans and shit rather than having to be irate like that. But it's a it's a man centered show, so you have to put all the family members on TV in some way, shape, or form tonight. Are well, so, give, me, give me Stephanie just walking around, and I'm much more happy than what I had to watch there. <laughs> so What's the next match bad? we have up is Chris Benoit versus Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental Championship. This, so all three of us are dads. This was kind of a hard match for me to watch trying to separate Chris Benoit, the performer, from Chris Benoit, the... Um, the guy. The, the guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean... No, I mean, I watched it pretty easily, and I threw on some Mark Kelly, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ran over and punched my son. <laughs> yeah. I, watching, watching the match back and, like, knowing everything that we know now, every time Chris Benoit did a headbutt, I, I was like, mm. you mean that was what got you over? Well, I cringed when it was the crossface. I was like, mm. you know, uh, there was one point and there was a sequence at the end where Chris Benoit put on the, the arm, uh, the crossface, and then like Chris Benoit was re or Chris Jericho was reaching for the rope and then literally dragged him into the middle of the ring. Explained, like gave him a couple of hits to the back of the head, then reapplied it and just cranked back on it. I was like, hmm, hmm. Uh, foreshadowing does not age well. No. Or, the, or the end where like Chris, uh, Chris Jericho is passed out, but the, yeah. it's not no longer it's no longer here. It's over here, it's and Chris neck. is like yeah. he's trying to move it, and he's trying to like signal that he's like being choked. And all you see him is sink it, sink it a little deeper. I'm like, okay, what's going yeah. on here? <laughs> God. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. Now, this... that being said, uh, it's still a four-star match. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, listen, it's it's Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. When did they not have a bad match? Man, there was, there was a moment where... Uh, Benoit picks him up and I'm like holy shit he's going to hit him with the tombstone and then he hit them with that old school shoulder breaker and yeah. I jumped out of my chair like yes I haven't seen that move in forever <laughs> oh that was awesome yeah no they were definitely I, I literally the easiest two matches to enjoy out of this baby and this is including the Iron Man match it's definitely the Chris Jericho match and then the triple threat match like those 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 five WCW cruiserweights slash like rejects knew how to put on an entertaining match when they got to be able to be creative and be able to flow with the the way they wanted to work the match. The absolute greatest chemistry I've seen between like a couple wrestlers and uh, 
for all for all intents and purposes, like I went into this not thinking about Chris Benoit the murder. I went into it thinking about the entertainer. Um and so like I, I went in there, I was like, okay. Before that I had to I took myself mentally back to that time. Like I I have to to make sure that I can enjoy it for what the match was. And it, he puts on a show. Like Chris Benoit like he like everybody says when he gets between those ropes, he's the most like one of the most entertaining spectacles you can put together. Uh, when he has the right dance partner, and Chris Jericho happened to be that guy uh, most of the time. So yeah, so it was a, it was a good match. I hated that it ended so abruptly, even though I got the most time on the card. It could have had like easily could have had another two to four minutes to let it breathe a little bit longer. But yeah. we definitely got a good entertaining match out of it. Yeah, I and they, there was a moment in there where they showed uh, Val Venus, and I'll get hardcore Val, Holly. Yeah, and hardcore Holly. Val Venus kind of outkicked his coverage on the gimmick, like he held on to that gimmick and kind of evolved it pretty pretty well. So I'll give him, I'll give him credit for that. My my question at the end of the match, so the match, so Benoit wins, gets the championship walks out right jericho's still in the ring they play his music chris jericho's music yeah they play chris jericho's music while he's still in the ring i thought for a second day that they played it because um he uh, they i i was assuming uh, um, uh that he had won by dq because chris one let up on the on the cross face but at the same time they announced chris and is the winner and so it didn't make any sense. I think it was just a bad uh, technical coincidence in the in the back. Like, hey, I don't think Chris's so. music, no. and they're like, "What oh, was that?" Benoit got his music played, and he left. Jericho was still in the ring, and they just started playing his music for him to leave to. I don't think it was a mistake. I just don't understand why they did it. There was some. There's. I was getting to a couple of mistakes in the next match that made me feel, make my nose bleed a little bit. But <laughs> clearly, this wasn't. There was a couple. This was uh, clearly one of those those nights where something just went awry. Uh, but you still enjoyed it for the total package it was. So my last question, and this will be one that I'm going to give each each of us about ten seconds to answer and justify. Is there any way to separate Chris Benoit's legacy from his actions? Me personally, I think no, because one led to the other. So what he did in the ring caused, supposedly caused the issues that led to what he did. And all of us as, as husbands and fathers to me, I, I don't think there's a way to separate those two because they're they're intertwined. No, I can't. There's there's pockets where I like the, I, I've gone back and forth on this and like maturing, becoming a father, and everything. Originally, um, I was on the page of like, yeah, I can I can divorce the two wholeheartedly, you know, and I'd be one of those that would grandstand on my soapbox and be like, Chris Benoit deserves to be in all of fame. And but at the same time, now giving it more more thought, more uh, giving it more context and understanding 
more of the evidence that came out about the situation and how it all played out. Like, no, like it's there, like, um, especially after watching like Dark Side of the Ring, kind of giving it more of, of its full detail and context to the public, right? Like it, it makes you think about it in a different light. Um, even being the biggest Chris Benoit fan, um, I, I can't, I kind of have to in some way, shape or form to enjoy it the way I was like I meant to, it was enjoyed at the time. Historically, looking back at it, um, it's a challenge, but you must get through with it. But at the same time, like, no, like, two, like three, three people died in that house that weekend. Only one person had a choice out of it. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Granted the, yeah, granted the situation, but at the same time, there was a lot of plotting and like uh, different ways that he went about the whole weekend, even with him not being in his right mind, they could have played out differently. So yeah, so no, I can't. No, yeah, I can't either. Um, even when my son asks, like, who is he? What you know that I have to like explain who he is as a wrestler, but then also explain who he is as a person. And you know, looking back, I was looking back at the at the match at the very end like it was like i'm trying to uh, like kind of decipher like was it a spot or was it like a, a thing where like it was planned that he wasn't gonna let go of jericho uh like one of the refs looks like completely like pissed off at him like like kind of tells him like what the fuck like like it's like hey man like you're really hurting him like he was like he was giving you the signal or whatever plenty of time and you still on it a little bit more yeah yeah like not yeah not even just kept holding on you pulled it back a little bit he was retching on that yeah yeah so it's like what is going on here kind of thing so it just does it just seems like it went it got a little real there yeah yeah all right so with ending of that match uh george what do you what do you give it on rating a five because Jericho could have died. <laughs> Is that the criteria now? <laughs> if you could have, you might have would have. Oh, I'm man. I'm so hesitant to give out the five star, but uh, Lathan, go ahead. What'd you give it? Oh, I already said mine. Mine was definitely uh, four and a half stars. So, like I said, it, 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 and honestly, like, I battled with giving a four versus a four and a half in it, just because, like, like I said, the only the only downside I saw in the match more specifically was that it didn't have enough time. Like, they wanted to rush to get this Ironman match put on, and it felt like, it almost felt like the mid-card or the undercard in general was kind of overbooked by accident. And they didn't realize it until the day of, and they couldn't do anything to really turn it around. If you took the Shaman Man Big Show match out of it, and took all the Hill Faction part of that out of it, it not even just those two matches, but the rest of the undercard, more time to have fun with their matches, it would have been more entertaining. You could have put, and then had a bigger Gerald Briscoe hardcore uh, filler match somewhere in between all of that. Or him in the back trying to get chased down from it, like you know, it could have made it be, it could have made it move a little bit better, a little bit smoother. But it was what it was. We got a really good entertaining match out of him. So definitely, uh, definitely, always like watching it. Uh, definitely go back again to watch it. So, yeah, 
So I gave it I gave it a four point eight six. Uh, what is with these prime numbers? You because George George set the precedent for this in the last the last one <laughs> because he's like, well, originally I gave it a four point two six, but I'm gonna go ahead and give it a three point seven eight. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pinche on giving out that five star. Um, but no, I gave it a four point eight six because it was one of the best matches I, I've seen. It told a story, it gave feeling, and it had a good ending that made sense and built both guys to go forward. So the next thing that we have up is a creepy as fuck teaser that at the time we didn't know what it was for, but now we do know what it was for. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I have is creepy period as period fuck period. <laughs> it was all it was, it, it listen, it served its purpose, it left me confused. And it was like it was the same vignette they kept on playing leading up to it, like, and at this point, you didn't know who was for what was for, and the outcome of who was for left me more confused than anything. Um, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit, clearly. Um, <laughs> and, and, and this was a good, <laughs> and this is like, it, it, it's funny because uh, 2000 through probably 2004, they had some really awesome vignettes to set up, um, to set up uh, entrances and debuts. Uh, but they, like, honestly, I think they kind of missed the mark with this one. Um, but, you know, you have to go out there and you have to experiment, you have to try things to know if it's going to work or not. So I give them credit for having the balls to put it on. But production-wise, I'm like, who was this for and why did we end up getting what we got? We could have had something a little bit different and better. All right. And with that, we are going to get into the main event. But before we do that, no, quick, uh, no. quick commercial break. You forgot, you forgot a match, Art. Hey, Too Hard, Too Fast podcast, a lighthearted, thought-provoking, comedic podcast where we talk about society and culture topics through the lives and experiences of my guests. But that's what it says on paper. The important thing to remember is that Too Hard, Too Fast, we don't check facts. Something you can check is for Too Hard, Too Fast podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and any other podcast platform that you use or don't use. Use them all. Watch us all on all of it. And all right, so we're going to get into match number five. Yes, we are getting into the match (laughs) that I completely skipped over, which, why did I skip over this one and not Big Show? I'm kind of mad at myself for that, but we got... Yeah, this one was more entertaining. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, no joke. So we got Degeneration X, which consists of the Road Dog, X-Pac, with Tori, Versus the Dudley Boys in a tag team table match. I'm going to say it right off the bat. Fuck you, Lathan. I love the DX DMC entrance music. For the record, I don't think The Rock's going to get very far threatening the referee. Not a good idea. That was not 
not a positive conversation. No. Certainly not on the level of the Triple H and Shawn Michaels conversation I heard earlier. No. I never heard the rock ass once about the wife and kids. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, I will volley that one to you. You're allowed to have that one. Because as long as we can agree, the big show sucks. <laughs> yeah. And the so we're two years past the stuff we were talking about it on the WrestleMania 14 pay-per-view with the Road Dog's hair. And now he's got this weird like swirl thing with the Road Dog Atoni. And it looks like a shit emoji just flattened on his head. That is funny, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that thing was horrible. Like it just it, as the hair grew longer, they found ways to make it more shittier. But like. I, Okay, I have to always preface what I'm going to say with it was 2000. It was a different time. Like, it was like, it's, there was a lot of fuckery going on back then. Um, and like, looking back on it, like, he thought it was cool, but I'm sure he would look back and be like, no, that was not it on my head. That yeah. was shit on my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the road dog of Tony was awful. <laughs> oh, no, that was horrible. Uh, yeah, but th- th- this match was confusing to start off. Like, did anybody else notice they started off as a tag team match? I forgot that this was a table match, even when they announced it, because they started off corner to corner, tagging each other in. And then, like, it became like Bubba had a hot tag, and all of a sudden, we're like, oh, shit, we're actually in the middle of a tag team table match, which is a tornado-style match yeah. at any time. Yeah. And so, like, that was kind of a weird presentation of it to start off. And I was kind of, like, lost for a second. Yeah, it was It was really, it was really confusing. And the other thing that partway through the match had me completely focused, was that a scar on Devon's head that I've just never noticed before? Probably. It's Devon. Oh, no, that's his part. Yeah, he used to always have that one weird part that goes all the way through the back of his head. Don't ask me. I don't know. It's a, it's a bike thing. Um, <laughs> it went all the way down to, like, his neck, though. Like, yeah, I've yeah. got a part as well over here, but it doesn't run all but the like, way to, like, my it was just spine. Like, I remember it was one of those, because I remember seeing it originally in one of his ECW promos when they was still in ECW, but... He's always had some kind of weirdness going on with his hair. Um, but, like, at that time, it was just – it was the part that went all the way back. I, I think that's what it was, if I had to look at it again. So, I mean, it was, a, it was 2000. It was what it was. So. <laughs> it was weird. This whole match. Did somebody go through the table before the Dudleys went to, through the table? The fucking ref? Okay, so. tossed him and he almost broke his neck? Because yeah. I, I got distracted. So, I did get distracted throughout the match. But the way the match ended, to me, I was like, there's a lot of broken tables. Who went through a table? I thought it was, I thought it was a tables match. So as soon as you go through the table, it's over. And then even the commentators were like, well, he wasn't the only one that went through the table or something like that. So yeah. for context, George, it was supposed to be so with the table tag team match, each 
or each corresponding ta- person in their tag team has to go through it. So oh. that's why I started with Devon going through the table first. And it was so, it, but they weren't clear to explain it. And so I was just left up to my own assumptions. But I was like, oh, this match is over with. That ended quickly. But then I realized it's just Devon having a seizure again. We still got to put Bubba Ray through the table also. The I wanted to go back to the to the hip toss of the ref into the table where he like breaks the table with his own neck and yeah sitting there and i'm like geez that that's awful like it was really bad but the ending of the match where xbox hits the x factor on through the table like it was it, it almost looked kind of botched but it was still it was still fun to watch they had the right camera angle on it um yeah but I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was a fun, fun match. But yeah, talking about Gerald Briscoe, he comes in, fucks around, gets the shit kicked out of him. There's three refs in the ring. The hardcore title is supposed to be like anybody can come and get it, but nobody does. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't even think about it like that. I was like, yeah. yeah. I was I was watching it as a first timer at 36 years old. I was like, this is this would be a perfect time for somebody to come in. Like that was a missed opportunity for sure. Unless they had something better planned, missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought the match was fun. It was good. It was a Dudley Dudley Boy match. They were trying to get it Tory. So I'm gonna give the the question with ten seconds each. Lathan, will X Pac? be the first no. three-time no. WWE Hall no. of Famer. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't even know. I didn't know. I didn't even know he was in the Hall of Fame already. He has not gone in by himself yet. He probably won't go in by himself. What? I wouldn't see him by himself. What? What? No. He's always the no, background no. guy. <laughs> he, he plays a... To, to, to his fairness, though, I would say... If he was to go in, it would be on the strength of him coming back and having his second life with WWF after he got fired by WCW. Right. Oh, but absolutely. like even then, yeah. But like, and he was kind of like the catalyst, or not the catalyst, but the the counterbalance to the NWO and what they were showing on WCW at the time, and him being a second in command to Triple H or like his sidekick, right? Right. Like where Sean where, where like the outsiders had Hulk Hogan or vice versa, Triple H has uh, had X Pac in his corner. And he's been uh like historically, uh he's always been kind of like one of those litmus tests for a lot of wrestlers to see if they're gonna be talented at becoming the next level superstars. Like if you can go in the ring with X Pac, then you have some kind of credentials of talent that is athletic that gives you to that next level eventually. But because there's nothing that he did career-wise outside of help make sure that other wrestlers got over to a certain extent that makes him really stick out like that. Hillbilly Jim is a Hall of Famer. Does Hillbilly Jim or X-Pac deserve to be in the Hall of Fame as an individual? Oh, X-Pac, wholeheartedly. But Hillbilly Jim's been in a different, in a different era before they actually like, made a big deal about the Hall of Fame. And realistically, he probably will go in. He deserves to be in there by himself with 
what he did prior to going and and that's the thing is with the current wwe system for hall of fame you don't have to ever have come to the wwe i mean you had the great muda who just went in to the hall of fame this year never set foot in the wwe had an impactful career can you not say that xbox sean waltman has had one of the best pro wrestling careers even to this point at age 50 he's still wrestling and and actually doing it at a good level he's doing it but i think honestly in in retrospect like he is probably doing it at his best level now because he's sober and has a, has a better mind for the business that he did back then but realistically when comparing the great Muda to sean waltman who's had more of an influential impact on other generations of wrestlers sean waltman Sean Waltman internationally no Sean Waltman opened the door for American wrestling for people under 200 pounds when he when he laid out Razor Ramon and became the one two three kid I think I think in American pro wrestling looking at WWE with the Hall of Fame Sean Waltman X-Pac one two three kid six is a surefire hall of famer and he will be the first three-time hall of famer name one other person who will be a a three-time hall of famer before him uh i mean it's uh, it's always left up to the people that decide these things but i don't see it yeah um yeah definitely but you know, listen if it happens i'm all for it because he is he uh, he was always one of those i enjoyed watching um again cruiserweight division wcw definitely brought more prominence to it. Like you like you gave it more of a of a uh relativeness to it when he had the cruiserweight title. And watch him go in the ring was fun. Um it was just that he was to to me the thing that probably takes him out of it is he's always surrounded by so many main eventer big guys that he just kind of and to turn a phrase gets dwarfed in the conversation of like everybody else in the faction uh to a certain extent like you know it's uh it, it's just one of those situations where it just he plays a good support character all right so with that uh let's give our ratings for the dx three stars dudley boys match okay lathan going with the three star all right george what no, you no, got? No, i'll do one better i'll do one better 3.12 stars That, see that makes more sense. Good job. I'm glad you I'm glad you can be <laughs> your senses on that. George, what you got? One point two three kid. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would go yeah, yeah three point four two, I would say. If, <laughs> if you know, if we're getting into those details. Um I enjoyed it, you know, a tables match. Who doesn't like that? Um, all all the characters I liked, Tori Wilson. You know, the only one I didn't like up there was Briscoe because I was like, "What's going on here?" And missed <laughs> opportunity. I'm gonna give it a three point seven eight stars because I mean it was it was good, it was entertaining, it did what it needed to. I thought the Briscoe stuff was just kind of filler bullshit and why nobody came out to pin him. Why didn't one of the refs, there's three refs. You could have had a moment where 
all three of them are fighting over pinning him. It, just a funny moment to end the match. Like that would have been perfect. And you missed out on it. So and what I did not like was Briscoe doing a half-assed, you know, X chop and suck it chop. It's like like I didn't know what he was doing. I was like, I did I was like, what are you doing? You're doing it like this. Yeah, like <laughs> put some tiger bomb on his on his neck so he had some extra energy and vigor for a second. And clearly it rubbed off. I do like that the ending still had the like the ending still had the table spot for Tori at the end of it. Too cool and 3D around this time, right? Even if they lost the match or they got their asses handed to them in some way, shape, or form, they still got their spot in and so at the end of it and still walked away. And I was like, how does this happen? Like, but it was fun. It still left you entertained. Yeah. All right, guys. Here we go. We are on to the main event. This is Triple H, Hunter Hearst Elmsley versus The Rock in an Ironman match for the WWF Championship. Crash, 0.25. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, right. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's go. I'm going to go ahead and kick him out Let's of the uh, stuff. <laughs> you know, crash your base on, George. I, I, I had never thought about it at the time, but looking back, this was probably Rock and Triple H, and I think it was kind of inadvertent, was one of the best built rivalries of all time. Uh, you think about two years prior to this match, the Rock and Triple H were having their interactions. They were already, you know, you look at SummerSlam 98, the ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. We're we're two years in the making into this match, longer than two years. And it kept going after this, which I, I think it, it almost seems inadvertent how good the buildup was, but the buildup was awesome. Awesome to for for these two. Yeah, no, definitely. It's um you can see their career like they made each other, they defined each other's careers for a while there especially moving up into the next level. Like they both were the workhorses with the Intercontinental title. Then they became main event championship caliber athletes at the same time. And it was interesting at the time for context that like Stone Cold, like you, you know, your pious pony, he's out. And you literally have two other pieces of the machine you can put right in there and still carry on. Uh, more entertaining storylines and more entertaining um, rivalries between the main event scene and without missing a beat. Like, sure, you missed Stone Cold and you eventually wanted to come back, or you missed The Undertaker and eventually he's going to come back. But until then, you got some really great action between a Kurt Angle versus Triple H or a Rock versus Triple H over many different pay-per-views. And always having different stipulations attached to them to still give you an entertaining match. And they always brought their A game. That was one thing that I I look back and I appreciate more. Uh, when you hear about wrestlers talking about, like, they, they're giving themselves the business. Like, they're trying to put themselves over. And always, at this time especially, when you hear about them, they uh, 
they specifically will say that like one person tried to politic themselves into this role or they wanted to highlight themselves in this way. Or you always hear about the trope of Hulk Hogan. He's always like, that won't work for me, brother. And always trying to put himself over everybody. They were very generous on giving back to each other because they knew in the bigger scheme of things, it gave back to the business in an entertainment way. And it made both of them look even better on paper. They're very selfless, uh, especially when they talk about each other. And I always thought that was cool that they can give to the give us more entertainment because they knew the bigger picture was like we're here to entertain you and not just work for ourselves. Yeah, no, it 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 really does. And and I put a note in here that said uh, Stone Cold being gone kind of let a lot of other people shine. Kind of the yeah. younger, letting the younger people shine, the newer people coming in. Um, I, I think it really, it really overall helped the business with Austin being gone because it allowed that. Was Stone Cold gone because he was injured? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. So one thing I did notice going throughout this whole, whole pay-per-view, one of my biggest complaints for WrestleMania 14, which was two two years and a couple of months earlier was how bad Jerry Lawler's heel commentary was. This this pay-per-view was he was still doing the heel commentary, but it was much more subtle. It was much more entertaining, particularly in this match, JR and the King, their commentary was was on point. Absolutely. But that point too, I think um I think production-wise, I think Vince McMahon kind of helped bring him in to make sure he had more charisma in the way he portrayed his heel character. Like, he has more story beats going along with it now, getting into his groove. So it did make for more entertaining commentary. And, it, it was you know, JR and King on the mic are just legendary. Like, we, like the co- closest I get to thinking about them is uh, Gorilla and Bobby, Bobby Heenan having commentary together it's just super entertaining and you could just literally put them two together and just have a good time every time just the chemistry they have off of each other it's just phenomenal yeah oh and watching our young michael cole in this uh backstage commentary like that was with the highlights in the hair and i was like what fucking frosted tips yeah (laughs) (laughs) i bet george had frosted tips at this point I, I used to want to <laughs> get them. My mom wouldn't wouldn't let me. Oh man! All right. So before we take a deep dive on this, uh, George, in totality, watching this for the first time, how entertained were you with this match? With this one, uh, yeah, eighty percent of it, I was fully entertained. Thank so did you? Uh, so I guess let me ask you for. Was there any time, any time during this match where you're like, kind of like, what's going on? What's good? What's the context behind how they got to this point? Or was honestly, like, no, only match? because like, I like The Rock, I like Triple H, I like Shawn Michaels, so all three in a ring was just kind of like, I don't care for a story. I just want to see them. I just want to see them work. I knew there was gonna be some kind of dumb way to make like the. I don't for some reason I already knew that there was going to be some kind of like it's going to end up in a tie or get close to a tie 
So Our, that, don't spoil the finish. We're not there yet. <laughs> well, no, but it was in 2000. If you don't know the finish, <laughs> but that was my thought process. I think if I was watching it as a kid, I wouldn't think of the tie. You know, I don't think that would be in my head. But as a uh, now watching it for the first time as an older person, I will be like, uh, that's all I thought about was like, there's gonna be a tie or there's gonna be. They're going to work themselves into a tie, some kind of thing. So that's well, all as, I was looking for. And as as wrestling fans in that in that time, when we think back to the last Iron Man match that we saw, it did end in a tie. At WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Yeah, they went into overtime. Yeah, it went into overtime. So, but also, so going. Oh, sorry, just I'm I like thinking back or right now, like I'm watching. Like it's one of the weirdest feelings you can feel because this is the first time I'm watching this match. Truly, I bet I can name a weirder feeling. <laughs> Her, but <laughs> but at the same time, I'm watching it for the first time. I'm but I'm watching these guys that I've known for like so it's. I think that alone makes it for me. It's gonna be like very high ranking for those two feelings. It's a very enjoyable match, and I'm watching it for the first time, so I really truly don't know what I'm what uh, what what's gonna happen. But I'm also looking for like, okay, where does the fuckery come? And then, <laughs> <laughs> but also it's nostalgia. Yeah, oh, for sure. No, it was, it, it was entertaining, to say the least. Looking back on it, um, like it, there's a lot of fucking ends up happening in this match. I won't spoil it, but well, it starts yeah. good. Like it, it has a, I like the the character that Triple H is as a heel, like because he has it's kind of like a heel with some kind of honor, right? Like he starts off the match like, hey. I'm going to do this by myself. You know he's not going to do this by himself, but he, at least he he makes it look like he is. Right. And so they like, you know, he plays up like, hey, you know, I got this. I don't need your help. But then um, it, the one thing I did uh, was anticipating the whole time is how is HBK going to find a way to involve himself in a match? And for what it's worth, he didn't the whole time. Right, and they played that up the whole pay-per-view. Like, what is he going to do? He's talking to The Rock. The Rock's kind of being a dick to him. Triple H and him are talking, but the match never comes up. On Sunday Night Heat, him and Stephanie are talking. You know, yeah, they play it up all night. Like, what is Sean going to do? And the only thing he did in this match was either was play it straight down the middle or have the greatest fucking mannerisms ever when it came to <laughs> everything, his facial features and like him, like doing that and stuff was, yeah. was, was awesome. He did a phenomenal job as the guest referee in the match. Yeah. And so we get the first pinfall and the first pinfall is a random rock bottom for the, for the pin, which surprised the shit out of me because I'm expecting it to be like Sean and Brett with nothing up until the very end. Rock hit that first pinfall just out of nowhere. Boom. 
pin and he's up one zero it's like what the shit like what the shit just happened yeah with that with that pin and it i mean it 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 uh, instantly turned the match into something completely different to me. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And that was what going into it, I think that was the anticipation I thought about when looking at this back. Was like, okay, they had they had room to understand what they could do in a match from WrestleMania twelve. Like WrestleMania twelve would just have to be like this gauntlet match between two wrestlers that are super high in endurance they can always go 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 these guys in retrospect are slightly bigger and their endurance isn't as as their endurance is being tested more but they're stronger hitters they're stronger strikers yeah um which the way that the match the the match ended up playing out it worked to their benefit like okay we can we're going to obviously have times where we're going to hit our finisher move, and then you're going to get stunned for the one, two, three count. Like, you, they allowed you to still work your way up into a tie, but in the way that you didn't think about them getting a tie in the first place. And they're, they're going to hit each other with their finishing moves, and they're powerful enough to lay your ass out with them. Triple H has played up as the fully hill he's supposed to be. The Rock is the most electrifying badass he possibly could have been at the time. And HBK stayed the fuck out the way which is uh, okay with me. Yeah. Well, like I said, like this match completely, like I said, nostalgia and, but what I'm, I'm watching it right now. So that's why I keep looking at this fight. Really the person I'm watching the most, I think is Shawn Michaels. So I think he really did steal the show with just being a special guest referee. What? Keep watching because there's a moment where, I don't know why, but the match all of a sudden becomes no count out. Like there was a lot of changes that they, they just out of nowhere. Right. So he starts out with doing the counts and then he just stops later on in the match, which I think he should have kept doing the counts. It wouldn't have caused any kind of difference in it because each person would have gotten a pin fall it would have been a double dq yeah and it would have kept the match going and there a flow to it and i think it took away from the match by stopping the the count out there was some inconsistency in the match which i think in the whole pay-per-view like we've all been to like we've all thrown events together or been part of events where on our end, like the behind the scenes stuff, it's like all fucked up and we're all like there, we're all hungover, we're all like whatever. And but the people that are there to that are there to see the event, they have no idea. So you're just putting on the show, but you're still having a fun time behind the scenes. So you're right. kind of just like, all right, well, let's do this, and nobody's gonna care. This is this is the vibe, the whole pay-per-view to me. It's like, let's put this out there. Let's just go have fun. If we mess up, nobody really knows. You know, let's just have yeah. fun with it. And yeah, I think this I, is like the whole paper, the whole pay-per-view, but this match as well. I'll tell you what I fucking noticed the whole time, and it was pissing me off. Is how <laughs> Rock's elbow pad kept going down to his wrists, and he would just leave them there. Make sure <laughs> Pull your elbow pads up, dude. Like... 
<laughs> that Triple H, it was Triple H. Was no, Triple the H. Rock. Yeah. The Rock's elbow pads kept going down to his fucking wrists. And it was pissing uh, me off because I'm like, dude, just pull him up, man. Nobody's going to care. Just rip I definitely noticed Triple H's elbows pads are to his wrist. Yeah. He always kept picking at him. He picked them every once in a while, but he stayed down. I'm like, dude, just take them off. Just take yeah. the fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at this one point, side or the off. other. Take them off or pull them back up. Like, <laughs> pick a. Oh, my goodness. Pick a lane, dude. Um, no, seriously. And there comes now, a point. There comes a point where there's a really, really sloppy schoolboy pin, but they get the pin. And like I, I was watching the match and I'm like, holy shit, like that that actually okay. It it worked. I think one of the main storylines throughout this whole match is that you get the surprising pins. It's not like a a moment where you know a pin and a and a, a victory is coming, you get the random moments where it's like, oh, schoolboy pin, one, two, three, holy shit, he just got one. Yeah. But also at that point too, it's like justifiable pins. Like this makes sense. Like, okay, I just smacked the shit out of the rock with this chair. I got DQ'd. But guess what? He's still laid out. I think uh so I'm gonna go ahead and just go ahead and pin him. And get the one, two, three back. And yeah. so it's like they were justifiable uh in the storyline that they were building through the match in itself. It was great. The so one thing I did that made it weird with that, especially with that pin was I was like, why did Triple H put his feet on the ropes? And why didn't Shawn Michaels notice that? Because Shawn Michaels with both straight eyes were looking straight on at Triple H and his was legs it, was were it way the fuck on the top rope. Was yeah. It, was it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like like you know, for for calling DQ, they're not calling like this easily cheap heelish win or this heat this uh, heel heat uh, pin. And I'm like, but uh, it still worked out. So I mean, it, that being said, though, did anybody else notice how long this actual match went? Like I saw, I timed it. I was in the middle of timing it, watching it again today. If my math served me correctly, this match went a minute and. Seven minutes or an hour and seven minutes. Wow. I was every time they were like the camera would pan wide. Uh, I was trying to 60 minutes are supposed to be in there. Yeah, I was uh, trying to but, see the, the 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 clock in the background, you know, it was running along the arena. Yeah. So that I, I was trying to match it with that, but I lost track of it. I yeah. did like that aesthetic. When they when he zoomed out and they showed like the scoreboard in the back about uh, the time and the score of who had more pins and stuff, that was a really cool aesthetic from the hard camera side uh, that you don't usually see nowadays um, on live TV. So I did like, appreciate that little thing. Yeah, they had it on a scoreboard. Yeah, yeah. And so that was cool. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I thought that was that was cool. The there was there was moments getting close to the end. Where there were a lot of sleeper holds, <laughs> and I and I understand why, but I think it would have made more sense if somebody had given up a pinfall to a sleeper hold. You know what I mean? Like they there were yeah. there were a bunch of sleepers, but there nothing came of it. And I get it; they were they were resting. They were trying to take a moment to rest. But to me, it would have been 
a lot better. It would have made more sense if somebody had given up a pinfall to a sleeper hold. No, I mean, like it's uh, I mean, looking back at it, that's one of those that like you, you know what you know what it is now. It's not the same overall super endurance match that the Iron Man for WrestleMania 12 was. Like these two motherfuckers are big and they're tired. <laughs> and <laughs> and this is the only way that they can do it, is just having rest hold after rest hold. And but it, like at least it's still built. Like they still made it make sense and sometimes during the match. But I see where you're coming from with saying that like somebody she got pinned at least once. I know the rock had one where he lost to a sleeper hold, but like that could have been two pins in there if Triple H would have played it right technically. Yeah. yeah. You gotta build the momentum back up to get get them to the next uh part of the story. That well, eventually there, leads to And they're trying to get to the next part of the story. And there was one where Sean obviously had a fast count. Which I was like, okay, Mike Tyson, you need to calm down over there. Like, I get you're trying to get to, uh, like, trying to follow the time. Because I think at one point, you know, they're they're getting concerned with because they know what's coming up at the end. So they got to yeah. get to that point. But, yeah, Sean hit a fast count. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, they, they lost. I, you could tell that there's a point where they lost track of time. Um, yeah. Especially towards the end. It, I mean, everything ran the way it could only run, given the situation and the, and the circumstance. Looking back at the end of the match, I was like, if you would have gave this literally two more minutes to breathe, like give it to, instead of like McMahon's walking out at three minutes, have them like five minutes and let that thing like air out because like there's parts where like you're you're looking at the ring, you're seeing all the things going on. Xbox over here waiting to hit a spot, like the worst timing ever. And then at the same time, you have a vignette playing way over here. And then the biggest surprise of all comes to the ring. You can't even give him the full energy that he needs to do everything he needs to do before the timer actually goes off. But like. It, it turned into a production fantasticness um, that I was cer- certainly marking out for when I first saw it and marked out again to see it again. Um, no pun intended. <clears throat> There's a rock bottom! What is this? The rock has been tumbled in the wind! The rock has fallen in the wind! The rock has fallen in the wind! The rock has fallen in the now back from the dead. What the hell? Oh my God! It's, my God! It's, it's the Undertaker. What? It's the Undertaker. He's coming from the man. You gotta believe, or is he? Yes, the Undertaker is with the man. 
Mr. So do you think do you think that not having the enough time is that why Shawn Michaels like called it the way he did? No, for the final for the final. All right, well, hold on. So, so the so, match ended the way the match was supposed to end. Right. It's just right. that anybody that was truly looking at it know they already ran over time for it. That's why he took away the timer at the end. Um, it wasn't because it went off. It was because they still need to finish concluding the storyline. If they kept it up, everybody would have been knowing in the like knowing what's going on and this is bullshit. Right, right. Which was speaking of bullshit, what the fuck, Peacock? You don't have the rights to American Badass, so the Undertaker comes out to some bullshit on your version of the show. I did I did not realize that until you said it just now. You're right. Yeah, it was I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm waiting. Like I'm I'm sitting here. Yeah. Oh, here comes the you know round round you know hitting the the I'm an American bat and it never hits. No kid rock. Not even like them dubbing in his newer music. No limp biscuit. No nothing, and it immediately killed my hype for him showing up. I ah it. Yeah, and fuck Peacock. Yeah, <laughs> and it's Mama. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me. So let me let me ask you. So okay, George, watching this back, or watching this for the first time, I mean, what were your thoughts with the Undertaker and everything? Him coming out. Uh, I didn't expect it. I was like, what the heck is all these little vignettes? Uh so it was a good surprise. Cause I like I didn't understand like the whole little like the little girls, those twins. That's the, the vibe that was. Yeah, the, yeah. the shine. So, the shiny. <laughs> but when it's playing them, like when they're all beating up the rock, and they're playing in the back, I was like, okay, that's cool, that's cool. Something cool is gonna come out, and it's the Undertaker. I was a little disappointed. I was like, oh, I thought it was gonna be something else. Oh, but then. Yeah, but then at the same time, I was like, okay, it's the Undertaker. It's pretty badass, too, at the same time. But I was a little let down. I was like, what is it? What is it going to be? Something something new. But again, it was something new that's something old that's new again. Nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, it just became uh, like, it was awesome, but at the same time, you were kind of confused because, like, this is a whole different look to the Undertaker. Like, this is Hey, I don't dye my hair black anymore. I'm actually a ginger, and I like riding motorcycles on Undertaker, and it's cool for him because it was just him being a badass on a motorcycle, being more relative to the to the generational um, to the generational storyline that he should not attain to, but like this is more realistic. Like the Attitude Era was all about realism. Everybody went by first names, like and like their legal names on TV, and so. This is kind of his contribution to that same regard, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but he was still the Undertaker. He wasn't Mark Callis. Like, you're not going to, or Mark Calloway. He's just a more badass version of me, Mark Callis, in a sense. Um, and so it was cool to see that variation of him where he ended up taking it for like the next four to five years, right? Like, it was still awesome to see the Undertaker be that. Um, but yeah, man, like it was. 
it ended up the way it ended was the way it's supposed to end, George. But like, but was it because like they said that the the time ran out, technically? So yeah, yeah. Sean so Michaels they, so called it. A the DQ. time ran out like seven minutes before Sean Michaels called it. Technically, yeah. yeah so right. there should have been something else. They ended it the way it should have ended it, but technically, if we're going by the rules, rules. Yeah. It could have ended on a tie, bro. It's pro yeah. wrestling. Come on. <laughs> but let me let me ask y'all. So let me ask y'all this: in in your opinion, watching watching this, I don't think that the Undertaker was needed. They could have finished the match the way they could have finished the match with. Triple H hitting one more pin or whatever matches over all of the Helmsley McMahon people come in, start beating the shit out of the rock. Then the undertaker shows up. I don't think the undertaker costing the rock, the match did anything for the storyline in general. And I actually, I had to go back and look, to see, okay, what was the next pay-per-view and what was the involvement of The Undertaker with The Rock? The next pay-per-view was King of the Ring. They did a six-man tag match. Rock, Kane, and Undertaker versus the McMahon-Helmsley faction. It, it, didn't, it didn't build towards anything. I think The Undertaker coming back had, could have waited a few more minutes and been after the match. I think it kind of ruined the end of the match. But even then, I would say if you, if you're going to hold, so if you hold off on bringing back the Undertaker, it probably would have had more build if you brought him back the next night. On Raw. Like have some kind of runoff main event, like, okay, or a way you could have done it is like, listen, it ended in a tie. Like, and then we don't go to the, we don't go to an overtime like we did the day before. So this is now us doing fantasy booking to a certain extent. Let it end on the tie. Like, the end on the tie, Rod gets beat the fuck down in the ring by the, by the uh, Helmsley McMahon regime. That's how the show is going to end, anyways, right? And then come back out the next night and be like, okay. Now we're going to have an official overtime match to settle that, like to make sure that there is a winner takes all, like final uh, bout, right? And then in the main event, have the same thing play out. Give it time. Like, first of all, let Undertaker have his huge dong. Like, just to, like, just to <laughs> let him have a dong. I'm like, sorry, his huge his what? Black, his dong. I said what I said. Like just pitch black the pitch black the ring, arena real quick. Have the dong, have the vignette play, or have the vignette play. Have the dong happen, and then it goes into American Badass, and then bam, we have an Undertaker in the ring already. We don't even have to have him riding on a motorcycle. That's cool, but he can just show up, wreck shop, and then leave. And then now we can have a better build, and we actually have a like an even healthier conclusion to this match. We knew that this pay-per-view was only built off of one consensus storyline of it's going to be the Iron Man match. Everything else from the prior to the card was cool. There were small storylines that were going on. 
but everybody paid to see the Iron Man and see how it was going to end. Give me Hellfire and Brimstone to come out real quick. Let the flame burst. Let the ring burst in the flames. Kane walk down and be in the Undertaker's role. That would have probably had more made made more sense. But you know, I didn't get paid to produce the show, so hindsight it was hindsight in 2020. George, yeah. <laughs> George, what you got? I enjoyed everything until, like I said, the Undertaker coming out. Um... I agree. I have to agree with Leighton. Like, if he would have, if if all the shenanigans would have happened, and then the Rock still lost, and they were beating up the Rock, and then the Undertaker showed up at the very end and just laid everybody out, perfect, perfect ending. Because it still gives them the pop of the return. It still gives them to satisfy the match. The way it ended to me, it seemed like again another. Let's put this together. Whatever happens, happens. Nobody's gonna know if it's uh if it's if we messed up or not. To me, it looked like they messed up in in the whole timing of it. I think it would have been a, a lot better or a lot cleaner to finish with however messy it got in the ring, and then just the Undertaker shows up to clean house. Yeah, I I, I think I think a. So to Lathan's point with the Undertaker. So the next night, the Undertaker couldn't show up with his dong, uh, and <laughs> and come out. He he couldn't because they were trying to present him as more of that realistic person. So they had to have him come out on the motorcycle. But you you fantasy booking. Let's fantasy book this. We're down to the last couple, the last three minutes. Vince and all of them start coming out, right? So we know there's going to be some shenanigans coming. I want all of them around the ring doing nothing, nothing. I want them talking. I want Vince directing people, moving them around the ring. Tied match going into it. All of a sudden, X-Pac or Road Dog, whoever. Rock goes, so Rock, boom, hits the rock bottom on Triple H, sets up the people's elbow, throws the pad. He bounces off one rope, goes to the other. X-Pac is there, boom, hits him with the chair where Sean doesn't see it. Rock goes down. Both guys are down. We're down to like the last 30 seconds. Both guys are down. Triple H getting up, goes in, Rock, he and they're throwing fists. They're going back and forth. All of a sudden, Vince is yelling at the Rock. The Rock turns to Vince. Sean turns to Vince. Boom, low blow Triple H. Boom, pedigree. One, two, three, finish the match, right? Both guys are laid out. Triple H has won. He's cheated. Chicken shit heel has won. They're laid out. Everybody comes in, starts kicking the shit out of the rock. All of a sudden, the vignette hits for Undertaker's return. Then he comes down to the ring and clears, cleans house, right? Him costing the rock the match didn't lead to anything. So to me, doing it after the match makes more sense 
than doing it during because it's not leading to anything. It's like when we talked about WrestleMania 14, Mike Tyson coming in and doing the fast count, there was it didn't lead to anything. There was nothing that they went to after that. So I think I think Undertaker took away from how good the match was because of the ending, but he needed to be there. So I think that would have been the way that I, that if I was there, I would have booked it that way. That's a pretty weird way to book it. I would, I'd be more entertained that way. Um, easily. Like, George, what do you think? Oh, I said, yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I rather, I, I would have preferred on the checker at the end. Very end of everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I so said, clean house. Uh, Let's give this match our ratings. I'll let Lathan go ahead and what's your rating? I give it 3.16 stars. Oh, dang. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. George, two stars. Uh, I want to go with 3.45. Okay. I gave it a 4.25 because Ooh, I almost had four. Oh, I, I gave it a 4.25. It was a great match. The only thing that took away from it was Undertaker coming in and causing the shenanigans at the end. But that brings us to the end of the pay-per-view. So guys, what are your ratings for the overall pay-per-view. We're going to start this time with George. What's your rating? Uh, overall I'm going to go with 2.7. Okay, why? Why why give it a 2.7? It was entertaining for the for for some of the matches. Um I'm also giving it I'm giving it some points because I'm giving it the fact that I'm watching it for the first time and giving it that nostalgia feeling. Lathan, I don't mean to to interrupt your rating. So there were no women's matches on this card, which I thought was kind of weird for 2000. How many women did they have on the roster at that time? It was like, there's Tori, Stephanie. Was Jackie still there? I think so. Sable would have still been there in May of 2000. Well, Stephanie was no, the, the women's champion. No, I don't think she, she was. Was she? Was, Stephanie was the women's champion because she won it from Lita. That's right. So Lita, Lita would have been there. Trish was there. Yeah, I think uh, that's true. Lathan, what do you what do you give the the show overall? Overall, I gave it uh, three and a half stars. Uh, it was uh, it was a good, entertaining, top to bottom card. Um, you know, if I think about it with my entertainment mind, uh, first and foremost, my, my nostalgic heart. Uh, I, I truly enjoyed it for what it was. Um, and when I think about it, the combination of my nostalgic heart with my critical thinker hat on, I'm like, this could have been better, but it was still pretty good for the time. You know, and especially for the talent that they had, the talent that, was, that they eventually got and the way that they moved, they carried the storylines more productively back then. 
and more of a continuity. It, it made it better off that way. So three and a half stars. It seems formidable in this one. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Lathan on that. I'm going to give it a 3.56 stars. Uh, you always got to beat me up by all your little hits. Or <laughs> Just uh, got to get a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I like George's emojis he's throwing up there. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I gave it, it was a really entertaining overall show. Um, outside of the, the big show Shane match, which I... The only thing I thought was was good about it was them dumping the speaker. That was that was it. That was the only good part there. The only thing that was good about that match was the finishing, and so you can move on to the next thing that was relevant. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right because you had the triple threat match for the European title. You had Benoit and Jericho for the Intercontinental title. The even the DX table match was was really was good. Not really good. Good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to sit with, uh, with that, but with that being said, guys, we are done with the judgment day in 2000, saw the return of the American badass. Well, saw the return of the undertaker, the debut of the American badass. So with that being said, guys, it is time to spin the wheel. So we are still rolling with what we had before, but changing out Judgment Day 2000. So we have SummerSlam 2002, ECW One Night Stand, Royal Rumble 1998, and taking the place of Judgment Day 2000, we have WCW Nitro from July 6th of 1998. Oh, there it is. We're going to the Georgia Monday Night Nitro from 1998. And W O Live Hogan Goldberg in the Georgia Dome for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Guys, New World Order. Always a pleasure. Oh, Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that one in. George, what you got coming up on your podcast, man? Hey, Two Hearts Too Fast podcast. Um, not sure when this is coming out, but dude, a lot of live recordings going on. Anything can happen. Wild stuff. Yeah, make sure y'all check out that Too Hard Too Fast podcast uh, that George keeps saying. All right, guys. Well, I guess that's going to end it for us. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening, for checking us out. Uh, audio listeners, go check out us on YouTube because there's kind of some visual stuff that you won't hear on uh, or that you won't get to see on audio. So check it out for the Rowdy Texan Abroad, Mr. Lathan Hall down here in the bottom. Mr. Too Hard Too Fast himself, the Dolph Dad. Thank you very much for listening. Y'all have a good night.